0: They're chosen by God, but they're living in exile in the world. That the world doesn't seem to be measuring, doesn't seem to be um, uh, playing out the way that they see the kingdom of God and what God is is saying should be, ought to be. Right? Because they're living in a time when the Roman Empire was the most powerful um, nation on the face of the earth. Greatest military, greatest economy, all of these things, but it was starting to crumble from the inside out. And there was all these divisions, and there was all these, these conflicts, and there was all, all, all of these situations, and, and um, the church was being persecuted heavily at this time. And here's this group, this nation within a nation, a chosen nation, made up of all different cultures, all different races, all, the, all different types of people. But coming together with one common unifying truth, and that is Jesus Christ, is Lord. So, we're going to jump right back in this. We didn't finish last week. Um, we were in First Peter chapter 1, verse 13, and it says, Therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded. And we talked about the opposites of being sober-minded was drunk-minded, right? And we live in a culture right now that is drunk. It looks like a bar at 2 o'clock in the morning. They don't make sense. They think they're smart. They think they're intelligent. They think they're speaking wise things. But they're fools. Peter goes on to list the many ways that people get drunk in their thinking. And he talks about culture and mob and group think. Where you just go along with, with the world. You go along with culture. You go along with, with the mob. And if you don't go along with the mob, the mob comes after you. Right? Our lives are not to be led by our emotions. We live in a culture, we live in a period in time where everyone is driven by emotions. And they're not doing much thinking. Emotions are a wonderful thing as long as they're controlled by your mind. Right? So often when you get emotional, you think, we got to do something. Yes, you do need to do something. You need to stop and think. That's what you need to do. You have never done anything in your life that was positive when it was controlled only by your emotions. Right? Someone says it's true. So, number two, he talked about the passions from your former ignorance. So how are we to live? Are we, are we to live controlled by our emotions, controlled by the culture? Are we supposed to live just like we used to? After receiving Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, becoming a new creation in Him, are we is, is life found by just living like you formerly lived, by living in your formal the passions of your formal ignorance? See, we're not continue. We're not to continue living in the passions of our formal sinful nature. We are not to be controlled by the flesh, but by the Spirit. And we don't live by the mantra, if it feels good, do it. That's the mantra of our day. If it feels good, do it. We live by the mantra, if it honors God and produces life, do it. So many things that feel good does not produce life. It produces death. In our lives. And then family traditions. He, he talks about um, the, the, the mentality of your forefathers. Just because your family has always viewed things a certain way doesn't mean it's right. What he's talking about is Jesus has to be above everything. Jesus has to be above everything. Even your flesh and blood. Your world view is shouldn't be passed down to you from your forefathers. It should be passed down to you through the Word of God and through the Spirit of God. If what's been passed down to you doesn't line up with the Gospel, doesn't line up with God's view of things, you scrap what, God, what your forefathers showed you and you line up with the Word of God. There, there, are, so, there are so many people that that they say that they love God, but they just don't believe the Word. Their their life isn't led by the Word of God. They have an emotional relationship tied to God, but the hard things, the things that go against what they believe in the core of their heart hasn't transformed the way that they live. So above the culture and mob, we're supposed to have Jesus above the passions of the flesh, even above Above the flesh and blood of our own family. Jesus needs to be above all. Everything else is a counterfeit and it's looking to rob, kill, and destroy. Everything that God has given us. So we're going to jump back in. That was a little recap from last week. We're going to jump back into 1 Peter one 1 Peter one twenty two says, Having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love, Love one another earnestly from a pure heart since you have been born again, not with perishable seed, but with imperishable, through the living and abiding Word of God. Having purified your souls. Not, you don't only need to wash your car. You don't only need to wash your dishes. You don't only need to do the laundry. The Bible says we need to wash our souls. We need to wash our souls. And how do we wash our souls? So you have a soul, you are a spirit, you have a soul, and you live in a body. You're a triune being. God says, let us make man in our image. What is God? He's a triune being. He's Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. The temple is made up of the, of the, um, the outer court, the inner court, and the Holy of Holies. The Bible says, you are the temple of the Holy, of, of, of the Holy Spirit, you have an outer court, your body. You have an inner court, your soul, your mind, will, and emotions. And you have a holy of holies which has been transformed into the very image of Jesus Christ that is your born-again spirit. Amen? And when you're born again, your spirit is transformed. It's a miracle. It takes place in, a, in nanoseconds. Holy Spirit comes within you, lives in you, and transforms you. But the problem is, is you have a soul, a mind, will and emotions, and your mind, will and emotions has been manipulated, conformed to the things of the world for years and years and years and years. You have stinking thinking. I had stinking thinking. I still have some stinking thinking. I got to get that out of, out of my mind. And how do I get it out of my, my mind by transforming my mind through the word, through the word of God? So we wash our soul through the Word of God and by obedience to the truth. It's just not enough to know the Word of God. It has to transform the way that you live in sincere brotherly love. What does it say? It says love. Love one another. You know what? That takes a miracle. To love one another takes a miracle. We're living in a culture right now where there isn't much love in your, your enemies, is there? It's destroy your enemies. You know, Jesus told the, the disciples to do a lot of stuff. He said, speak up the mountain and be moved. Um, cleanse the lepers, heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out demons. Do all these things. And, and then one of the times they're having this conversation and um, they said, how many times do I need to forgive my brother? Seven times? Thinking, that's a lot. And Jesus says, no, I tell you 70 times seven. And what did they say? They say, increase our faith. Increase our faith. They didn't say it when they said to heal the sick. They didn't didn't, say, say increase our faith to cast out demons. They didn't say to increase their faith for anything except to love one another. How do we love one another the way God loves us? Only through the power of the Holy Spirit. Only through the power of the Holy Spirit. It's not human nature to love those that don't love us. But God, by the Holy Spirit, has given us supernatural love inside you. Do you know that you already have the God- kind of love in you? It's part of the fruit of the Spirit. You have love. You have love. So how do you walk in love? By not walking in the flesh? You walk according, according to the Spirit. God is the Father. Jesus is our big brother. And the church is a new family, and the church is not to be an echo of what's happening in the world and happening in culture. It's to be an echo of what's happening in the kingdom. We do not live culture up. We live, live kingdom down. We do not live culture up. We live kingdom down. We don't drag, try to drag hell up. We bring heaven down. In the kingdom, we're a family. And in in this family, whatever the labels that the world tries to put on you, because they love labels, don't they? They like to pinpoint you. They like to put a label on you and categorize you and put you into little groups and, and divide each one of us. And that's what the world does. But in here, we do not divide. We do not divide. There is no divisions in the body of Christ. It doesn't matter what happens out there. In the family of God, in here, there needs to be love. There needs to be sober-mindedness. There needs to be relationship. There needs to be affection. There needs to be forgiveness. The heart of God is for the family of God and in unity. There is, there is not male or female in Christ. We're equal. We're as one. There is not rich. There is not poor. There, there is not, a, there's not slave or free. We're all free in, in Christ Jesus. There, there, there is not a race except the Christian race in the body of Christ. This is, the only, this is the only place that true unity can happen. When people walk in these doors, we are all on equal footing before the throne of God. And that's awesome. The Word of God refers to the way that God makes Himself known. That's what this Word is. It's God making Himself known. God's Word is powerful. It's creative. It sustains all things. The Word is the means by which the universe came into existence. And His Word gives life to the dead. It's a lamp that guides us in the path of life. And His Word always comes to pass. The Word of God is is most clearly revealed in Jesus Christ, His Son. Jesus is the Word made flesh, the living Word of God. You heard Pastor Tom talk about that a little bit this morning, that God looks like Jesus. Jesus is the lens, the filter, that we, we see God through. That he, Jesus is the filter that we read Scripture through. You know, some people, we're called Caris New Testament Church. New Testament means covenant, right? The New Covenant Church. A lot of people think that that means that we only preach out of the New Testament no we preach out of the Old Testament, but we preach it through the lens of the New Testament. Do you understand that through the new the new covenant see until we are transformed by the renewing of your mind you you are you are instructed according to the will of the Word and and the ways of God. all you have left is mob mentality if if you are not if you are not Dictating your life through the Word of God, all you have left is what the world is dictating, what the world is telling you to do. You are left with just mob mentality, or you're left with individual selfishness and passions, or devotion to family and family systems, or some kind of cultural allegiance. Do you know that this is the only thing left in western civilization that says no? In our culture this is the only thing left that says no. And why does God say no? Because he doesn't want you to enjoy life? No, he wants you to enjoy it to the full. He knows what will kill you. He knows what will destroy your marriage. He knows what will destroy your family. He will knows what will destroy your mind. He knows what will destroy your finances. And he says no, not because he wants the party to end. It's because he wants the party to go on forever. And we have a society that says yes to things that are killing them. Apart from the Word of God, you don't know that there's another way. You don't know that that there is a God that loves you, you. You don't know that there's a Jesus that died for you. You don't know that there is resurrection awaiting you. You don't know that there's a Spirit that fills you. You don't know that ultimately you are who God determines that you are. Not you. Verse 24, "...because all flesh is grass, and all the glory of man as the fl- flower of the grass." The grass withers. The, the flower f- fails away. But the Word of the, of the Lord endures forever." Now this is the word which by the Gospel was preached to you. All flesh is grass. What is He talking about here? He's talking about you're all going to die. There's no way out. Good news, right? For the believer it is. We're all, we're all going to die. That's the worst thing that can happen to me. Is I die and go to heaven. I go and meet, be with Jesus. Even the wor- what people fear the most is a celebration for the believer. Everybody's going to die. The grass is gone. All flesh is grass. The glory of men as a flower. That means all your great accomplishments, you know, compared to a flower or compared to grass, flowers are beautiful, right? We pull the weeds and keep the flowers, but even the flowers will die. Even your accomplishments will, will won't last. They wither. But the word of the Lord it's forever. It's forever. It endures forever. This was here 2,000 years ago. This was here 3,000 years ago. This will be here 2,000 years from now. This will be here 3,000 years from now. The Roman Empire was the largest nation in the world, the longest standing superpower in world history, it had the greatest economy, and it's over. It's over. But the Word of God still reigns. It's still here. Ultimately, I love our nation. I love our nation, but it will be over one day. It will be one day. But in 2,000 years, 3,000 years, 4,000 years, into eternity, the Word of the Lord endures Forever, The Word of the Lord endures forever. We have so many people that are, are, are not anchored. They're filled with anxiety. They're filled with fear. They don't know what to do. Their days are so worried and concerned about their future. Why? Because their hope is not founded on Jesus Christ. Their, their life is not centered on the Word of God. It's on things that crumble if they're not built on Jesus. There are, there are things that are fading away like, like a, the grass of the field or the flowers of the valley. They're here today and gone tomorrow. But the Word of the God is here forever. We trust the Word of God. We heed the Word of God. We welcome the Word of God. We obey the Word of God. We honor the Word of God. And in doing so, we honor and obey the God of the Word. Amen? See, we need to adjust our focus. We wake up every morning, hmm, everything is bad. Everything is bad. Everyone is angry. Everything is weird. Right? Have you, I mean, sometimes you get caught up in stuff and you think, I gotta check myself. Am I the weird one? This seems weird to me. This isn't natural. Common sense is far too often uncommon. And sometimes I think, Am I weird? And then I think about of it, No, I'm not weird. I used to be weird. But God saved me from my weirdness. But it's doom and gloom every morning. The good news is that we can adjust our focus. See, the problem is, is is we focus on the wrong things. We focus on things that are not everlasting, that are not eternal. We can be in the world, but the world doesn't have to be in us. Amen? We don't have to be affected by what's going on out there. We can let what is happening in us, in our spirit, have preeminence and how we live out there. We're going to talk about the Bible today. We're going to talk about Jesus. Peter's going to show us how we can have a healthy mind in the midst of a sick culture. In a world filled with bad news, we need some good news. In a world where everything is, 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 is fighting, and they're fighting over problems, we need some solutions. Let's continue. We're going to continue in First Peter and, and, and see what God, if God has something else for us. So we're finally making it to 1 Peter chapter 2. And he says, therefore, therefore, seeing that everything's gonna pass away, therefore, seeing that you're not you're not going to supposed to control your or dictate your life based on the culture, based on mob mentality, based on your selfish desires, based on your family traditions, but the word of God, that the word of God is in, in, is enduring. He says, Therefore, laying aside all malice, all deceit hypocrisy, envy, all evil speaking, as newborn babes desire the pure milk of the Word that you may grow thereby, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is gracious. So put away all malice, deceit, hypocrisy, envy, evil speaking, which is slander, like newborn, chubby, cute little babies. Right? Just like they long for the pure spiritual milk, or nutrition. He's talking about nutrition here. That by it, you may grow up into your salvation. If indeed that you've tasted that the Lord is good. What he's talking about here is a nutritious diet. He's talking about a nutritious diet. A diet that will make you healthy versus having a bad diet that will make you sick. And when he's using this language of growing up, diet, milk, He's talking about nutrition. What he's doing is he's taking things that, that he's taking things that you and I have experienced physically, and using those experiences for our mind, our emotions, and for our heart and our soul. He's using an analogy. How many? How many of you had had at least a season in your life where you ate garbage? I think we've all had had that season. I didn't when I was young I did not have a, a good diet. I used to eat Swiss cake rolls by the packs. Back when they were ninety nine cents. I eat a whole box of them. Right? I used to eat frozen burritos. I I just my diet was not good, but I did a lot I was young. I didn't make good decisions. But I exercised a lot, I was involved in sports, athlete in school, and I was busy, and when you're young and you burn those empty calories, it feels like you can eat whatever you want and it's fine. I mean, my son right now, uh, he, has, he eats Eidos, Cheetos, Doritos, taquitos, burritos, that's, that's, what he, that's what he eats, right? But then it catches, it catches up with you. Then I hit my twenties, right? Then my 30s, and your metabolism starts slowing down. Now I'm in my 40s, I can't even drive by a fast food restaurant without gaining a few pounds. I mean, it's just it's ridiculous. But, you, but the problem is, is I trained my body not to eat well. My palate needed to be upgraded. It needed to be changed. Right? Why? So I could be healthy. And I'm on the path of trying to be healthy. More healthy. I mean, we've all heard the, the old saying, you know, garbage in, garbage out. You know, when I, when I was young, my mom got rid of me by sending me down to a, uh, no, to, down the road to a uh, Mennonite uh, vacation Bible school. See, I'm a spiritual mutt. I've, I've experienced most everything. But they sung a song that stuck with me for a long time. Uh, it, it was like, in, I don't have a voice of an angel, so um, I'm going to just say it to you. Input, output, what goes in is what comes out. Your mind is the computer, and how you program it is what you will do. You ever think about that? Your mind is just like a hardboard in a computer. The software that you have in it dictates what it will do. And that's why we need to renew our minds. Some of you are thinking, well, I became a Christian, but I still don't do the things that I want to do, and the things I don't want to do, I still do. Well, that's because you need a new software program. You need to renew your mind, right? Some of you, 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 you got a virus, right? You need to purge that virus and put the Word of God in your minds. And it, when what's true physically about what we eat is true emotionally. What you, what are you consuming? It's true. What we, what we, what's true physically is true mentally. What's true physically is true spiritually. I mean, if you're sitting here today and you're thinking, if you've ever said, I wish my life was different. I wish my life was better. I wish I had more joy. I wish I had more peace. You change what you're putting into you. You change what you are putting into you. Peter's talking here about nutrition for your whole life. God wants you to be healthy. God wants you to be healthy people. The language language elsewhere in the Bible is something called good doctrine. And in the original Greek language, it's talking about health. God wants teaching to make you healthy. That's what God wants. God wants you to be healthy. We live in a day where everyone is worried about physical health, which is totally well and good, right? I'm for it. But at the same time, we need to focus on our spiritual health. We need to sp- focus on our mental health. We need we need to focus on our emotional health. You know, truthfully, most of the issues that we have that are in people's life are actually not physical issues, but they're t- it, it, it's it's tied more closely to spiritual, emotional, and mental. We need to start talking about those things. What's the, you know, people are talking about mental health more and more, but they don't have an answer. Peter's given us the answer. And science backs it up. We'll see, see that hopefully if we get to it today. So what's on your plate? What's on your plate? See, some of you, you got to upgrade your palate. What's a palate? That's, that's what you crave. That's what you taste. That's what you enjoy. Right?
1: There's an individual
0: in here. I won't call him out. But he has a brown diet. He doesn't eat anything green. He doesn't have the palate for it. He needs to have the palate for it. He needs to train his body to enjoy green things. Just like I had to. Right? Have you met those people? I've I got a, about four or five friends that they don't eat any vegetables. You have to train yourself spiritually. I used, to, I used to always apologize because I had long messages. But I think that if you guys are going to get up, get dressed, take your pajamas off, you're not going to Walmart, drive here, I should prepare a meal for you that is satisfying, that is nutritious, that is going to build you up and strengthen you. And I can't do that with three points in a poem. I can't do that in 30 minutes. Now you're looking at your clock. How long has it been? See, one of the things that me and my wife enjoy It's one of the greatest things we enjoy is going out and having a nice meal. A nice meal. It's nothing for us to spend three to four hours having a meal. Nice and slow, great food, appetizers, maybe a little wine. Unless you shouldn't drink wine. We enjoy ourselves. We have fun with one another. It's an event. It's a lot different than going through the fast food chain, slamming a burger, and taking off. Sometimes you need a a quick little devotion, a quick little thing. But it's not going to strengthen you. It's not going to cause you to be healthy. You know, we, we have dinners at our house once in a while and it's nothing for it to go four, six hours just sitting around the table and that's what we try to prepare for you here and I tell you what most people don't have a palate for it but one day I'm going to stand before God and He's going to ask me what I served His people So what's on your plate? What have you been eating? What is is going into your emotional inputs? What's going into your mental inputs? What are going into your spiritual inputs? He talks about malice. He talks about malice. Peter, Peter talks about a diet that will make you sick. First thing he talks about is malice. If this is on the menu... Of your life, it will make you unhealthy. Malice is, I don't like you. I do not want good for you. In fact, I want punishment or harm for you. I want damage for your life. With my deeds, with my words, I'm going to make your life less pleasant. How many of you can see that our world is filled with malice? So, how do you know if you have malice towards someone? Well, the number one way is if something bad happens to them and you have malice in your heart, how do you feel? You feel good. You feel good. Oh, they have cancer? God answers prayers, don't He? Oh, they lost their job while well, they were a, they were a terrible worker, anyways. They, oh, they're losing their house. <laughs> That's what they deserve. That's how you know if you have malice towards someone. You feel good when something bad happens to them, but if something good happens to them, you feel bad. Oh, they got a promotion. They don't deserve that. I, you feel frustrated. They, they, they got married. They got a kid. They got to lead a ministry. And it frustrates you. It angers you. But if something good happens to them, you, you, you're angry too. You know you have malice when something bad happens and you're happy, and something good happens and you're mad. True or false? Our culture has got a little bit of a malice problem. It's true. How about deceit? Something something that's bad for your diet is deceit. This means not the total truth. Not the total truth. screwing, screwing, Screwing the facts or taking the details out or aligning them in such a way to paint someone in the worst light possible. I mean, does this still happen? Have you ever heard of something called the media? Have you ever heard of the internet? Right? What is deceit? It's when you love someone, you present them in their best day, and if you hate someone, you present them on their worst day. And in addition to that, he gives us number three, hypocrisy. If you want to be sick, hypocrisy is the shortcut. The word word hypocrisy in the original language, in the Greek, it, it comes from the ancient world, And it was used in theater. See, back in the theater times, they didn't have a whole bunch of actors. They had just a small group of actors. And actors would play multiple different roles. They were always acting. They were never being themselves. And that's what hypocrisy means. That no one actually sees your true self. You're constantly putting on a mask. You're constantly acting. You're with your Christian friends, and praise the Lord. You're with your non-Christian friends, GD this and GD that. You're with your Christian girlfriend, and, 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 and it's like hallelujah. You're with your non-Christian girlfriend, it's like Vegas, baby. You're, you're never your true self. And you're different. It, 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 it's different depending on who you're with. And the problem is, is that no one really knows who you are. No one really knows who you are. So when you think of a hypocrite, we tend to think of someone that makes mistakes or is inconsistent. Right? But remember, who's writing this? Peter. Is Peter kind of messed up? Yeah, but is Peter a hypocrite? I mean, he's, he's telling us not to be hypocrites, and here's a guy that denied Jesus Christ. Okay. Not only did he deny Jesus Christ, but, but Jesus said, get behind me, Satan. I don't care who you are. That's a bad day when Jesus tells you that you're Satan. So does that make Peter a hypocrite? No, Peter is not a hypocrite. He is a genuine Christian who is struggling to make progress. He is struggling to make progress. Now there is a disciple who was a hypocrite. His name is Judas Iscariot. For three years, he pretended to be a Christian. He pretended to be godly. He pretended to be trustworthy. He he pretended to be unified with Jesus. But at no time was this ever the case. He was always pretending. And there are lots of people in the body of Christ, there's lots of people in leadership that are always pretending. They're always pretending. When he's with Jesus, he pretends to love Jesus. When he's not with Jesus, he's plotting against Jesus. So in the twelve disciples, Peter's not the hypocrite. Judas is, is. Peter is not perfect, but he's straining. He's working, and he's Making progress in Christ Jesus, and rather and, and what we see is Judas is someone who is always pretending. We all know people like this. You know, we, I thought you loved me. I thought we had a relationship. I thought you were honest. You're not. You're not. I don't even know who you are. You're just pretending the whole time. That's a hypocrite. Another thing that will give you, make you very, very sick is envy. Envy is a step beyond jealousy. Envy differs from jealousy in the sense that envy carries with it ill will to the person that they're jealous of. Ill will. According to James, envy and strife open the door to everything the devil wants to do in people's lives. We are filled with a culture of envy. Envy Envious people. People that want what other people have worked for. The social media platforms, they tend to grow the fastest when there's images because the shortest route to envy is coveting coveting and discontentment is seeing what other people have. You know, think about it. Can we all be honest here? What are some of the things in social media that that we get envious of? Can we be honest? That's the question. I can be here all day. What's something that we get envious about? People's vehicles, right? I watched the Stradman Hamilton Collection. Awesome vehicles. You know, your car might be made in Korea. Theirs is made in Italy. I mean... Yes, you can definitely get envious on vehicles, especially with American culture. We judge, judge people by the vehicle they drive, not taking into consideration that a dealership will do whatever they can to get you into whatever vehicle you want. What else? What else do we get envious about? Person, <laughs> yeah, yeah. My life would be so much better if I was with them. No, your life would be the same and they would be miserable. What else? Vacations. Oh, we used to, we, we used to travel. We used to go places. How dare them? How dare them go places? We don't go places. They get to go places. Right? We, we just become envious about things. We become envious. And, and, and what it does, it makes us sick. It makes us unhealthy. Evil speaking. Slander. I want to make myself look better by making you look worse. This is one of Satan's Tactics. This is his tricks. It is to cause you to slander people. In fact, the name Satan literally means slanderer. True or false? We, we are, we are, there's a lot of slandering going on in our world. Social shaming. See, all of this is demonic, all of this is satanic. None of this is the Lord. And what he's saying is this. Things are part these things are part of your diet and they will make you a very sick person. Malice, deceit, hypocrisy, envy, slander this is the primary categories that that is consumed through social media and just media in general. You it's propaganda that is trying to rob, kill, and destroy your life. If you wake up every morning and you start with your phone instead of starting with God's Word, you're setting yourself up for the duration of the day to be unhealthy. There is no way that you can take all this in and and be healthy. This is like getting up and saying, for breakfast we're going to have a little bit of fertilizer and wash it down with some Drano. Right? Right? Sure, it'll fill you up inside, but it'll leave you empty. Won't it? (laughs) It'll it'll leave you empty. So many people are consuming these types of things and wondering, why I don't feel good? Why am I depressed? Why do I feel lonely? So the question is, is there an alternative to this kind of diet? Is there nutrition? And he says, there is, in fact, yes. Verse 2, As newborn babes desire the pure milk of the Word, that you may grow thereby, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. Now what he's talking about here, he's he's talking about that you as a child of God need nutrition for your mind, for your heart, and for your soul. Just like a baby needs nutrition. One of the things I learned when our kids were born is that I knew nothing... About babies. And how many of you dads, when a baby is born, you're not sure what to do? Thank God for mothers. Right? We're celebrating Mother's Day. Thank God for mothers. They read the book. Alright? What to expect when you're expecting. And the first thing it probably says in there, I've never read it, is don't expect your husband to know anything. But <laughs> Peter is using this language so that as newborns, they're, go, they're going to have the nutrition that is needed. So that they can grow up and be healthy. And what is true for children is true for the children of God. He, he says that there's, five, five, um, there's, there's these five things on the menu that will make you sick, but there's one thing that will make you healthy. What is it? It's the Word of God. It's the Word of God. It's the Bible. It's the Scriptures. That God who made you, the God that knows you, has designed a diet for you because He loves you. There's lots of things you can eat in this world, but He doesn't want you to be sick. He doesn't want you to be depressed. He doesn't want you to be miserable. He doesn't want you to be anxious. And He doesn't want you to be hopeless. He doesn't want you to be stressed out. He doesn't want you to be bitter. He doesn't want you to live a life of conflict. He wants you to be healthy. Healthy! And so He uses this language. You've been born again with imperishable seed through the living and abiding Word of God. See, all flesh is grass. Everything fails. Everything falls away. Everything except the Word of God that endures forever. Like babies, you need milk. And you can grow up in your salvation. If you tasted that the Lord is good. He's talking about the nutrition for the soul. He's, talk, he's saying, saying this. He's saying that people are the product of their teaching. If you look at a kid and they're sick, they're throwing up, they're malnutrition. there should be compassion for that kid. Saying someone needs to change that kid's diet. Right, I feel this way as a spiritual leader. If people don't forgive, it's because of bad teaching. If people are burdened and heavy laden, it's because of bad teaching. I don't believe that God loves them. Oh, I don't believe. They don't believe that God loves them. It's because of bad teaching. As a result, it makes them sick. You need God's Word as much as you need feet. Food. Jesus put it this way. Jesus says, Man lives not by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And what he's saying is, in addition to nutrition for your body, you need nutrition for your mind, soul, and heart. There was a study that was done. Now I'm going to prove it, prove what I just taught through science. There was a study that was done, and the result of this study was called The Power of Four. There was a study that was done with 400,000 people. That's a, that's a big study. 400,000 people about their Bible reading. About Bible reading. So they studied 400,000 people and they found that a marked difference in improvement of people's life comes from reading the Bible four or more times a week. If they read read it once a week, no big change. They read it twice a week, no big change. Read it three times a week, the the needle does not move very much at all. But when they got to four times a week, the majority of their week, they've seen a drastic change in people's lives. Here's what they found. If you read the Bible or study or hear God's Word four or more times a week, you're 407% more likely to memorize Scripture. You know why? If you eat something that's healthy, you're like, I feel better. I feel better. I, I can eat more of it. And you start to discipline your palate. You, you start to change your, 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 diet, your dietary de- desires. Right? you're 228% more likely to share your faith with others. I mean, you, you know this. Someone gets healthy, they start exercising, they're eating right. They tell you all about it. Right? They're excited about it. And the same thing, it, it, I'm in God's Word, it makes me healthy. You're not healthy. Hey, let me talk to you about, the, about God's Word, about Jesus Christ, the power of the Holy Spirit, because I want you to be healthy too. less likely to view pornography. Right? Because ultimately, if your mind is consumed with the Word of God that makes you healthy, you're going to fight against things that make you unhealthy. 30% likely to struggle with loneliness. Based on that, you would think that the mental health profession, (laughs) when you come in for a meeting... And um, they'd, they'd say, well, do you have a Bible? Do you have a Bible? That's, that's our first prescription. Before we give you medication, how about we prescribe a little Bible reading? Right? Why don't you go and read your Bible for two weeks, come back, and we'll see if it makes a difference. I mean, we love the science. Here's the science. If you want to be healthy, you, you know what? God made you. He knows you. God loves you. God speaks to you. And God wants to impart health to you. And let's be honest, our world is not healthy. People are not doing well. They're self-destructing. They're self-imploding. Depression is up. We live in a society that says, if it feels good, do it. And the number one prescription that Americans are consuming is anti-depression prescriptions loneliness is up alcohol abuse is up drug abuse is up spousal abuse is up joy is down people are sick the world probably isn't getting healthy anytime soon but you can be healthy You can be healthy in spite of the world world, by consuming God's word. Amen. And I'm going to, I got more to talk about, but we're going to stop right here. It's Mother's Day. And I know this wasn't a Mother's Day message, but I told you what your mother wanted you to hear. Listen, I'm not beating up on you guys. I love you. God loves you. He wants the best life possible for you. And God's way is the best life. Everything else is a counterfeit. Everything else is a lie. Everything else is robbing, it's killing, and it's destroying Jesus Christ came to give you life and life to the full. Today, you can make that choice. Today, you can make the choice to say, you know what? I'm following Jesus. Today, just like you can draw a line in the sand and say, you know what? Today, I'm going to start being healthy. I'm going to start reading the Word of God. I'm going to start listening to the Word of God. Some of you are saying that maybe, I'm, not, I'm just not a reader. I'm not a reader. Guess what? There's, there's free apps on your phone. You can, you can have someone read the Word of God to you. It doesn't work unless you work it. You don't get stronger unless you lift weights. You don't, you, you don't, lose, you don't lose weight and get your cholesterol down unless you eat healthier and eat less. Right? That's something I'm pr- trying to program my body. And you do not get emotionally, mentally, or spiritual fit apart from the Word of God. Apart from the Word of God. And He wants the best for you. He desires the best for you. Trust me, I've experienced it. I've tasted and found that the Lord is good. Amen? Let's pray. You've been listening to a message from Caris New Testament Church. For more information or to contact us, go to www.charisntc.org And remember, you are deeply loved, highly favored, and destined to reign in Christ Jesus.